Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of The Things I Wish I Knew. I'm Michael Fernandez Jr. And today I'm going to be starting a new series on the podcast called My Crazy Life Stories. And the whole reason for this is I just want to share with you guys some of my experiences in life and kind of the circumstances I was brought in and, you know, grew up around. But with that being said, this is going to be the first story or the first episode of My Crazy Life Stories. I hope you guys enjoy it and thank you for listening. And the story I'm going to be starting off with is probably one of the worst two phone calls I I've ever received in my life so far so it plays a huge role in my life especially because one I was kind of transitioning from a certain lifestyle getting trying to be a better father a better husband and uh, just a better individual I was learning about investing and just doing all these things so it was a weird transition transitioning moment in my life kind of where I was at and where I used to be and when this you know this situation occurred um it was just very tough. So it was just a weird place in my life. And let's just go right into it. And just to protect everyone in the story, I will be changing the names and or not even mentioning names at all. But I make sure to de- describe the people so you know who I'm talking about in this situation. The story begins at the end of 2017. It's uh, later in the evening, three, four o'clock. We're getting ready to me and my wife are getting ready to bring my daughter up to her grandma's house. My wife needed to to take the car to go to work. I was like, oh, that's fine. Just drop us all off on your way to work. And as we're getting ready to leave the house, I get a phone call from my best friend at the time of this story. And he tells me, hey man, this guy, John, and John is my cousin's boyfriend. So John, my best friend tells me, hey man, John's talking shit about mom. You know, he's calling her all types of bees, you know, saying this and that. And he's at your cousin's house. We're about to go drive up there. And so I guess he was just calling me to kind of my best friend just calling me to kind of like hype me out. I was like, you know what? I'll pass by my cousin's house and I'll see if there's there's any issue. You know, I don't want to make it a big deal. This I'm going to go up there myself and see what's going on. So me and my wife and my daughter are getting ready. And my cousin only lives five, five minutes away from me. And it's on the way to my mother-in-law's. So we're going up and uh, I turn the corner to my cousin's house. And I see my cousin and John parked in front of her house. And so I pull up and I didn't get out the car with any aggressive nature or trying to start problems. And the first thing John says is, hey, man, I don't know what's going on. I was like, look, bro. I said, I just hear you're calling my mom some the B word. You, you know, you're kind of talking crazy. I was like, look, people shouldn't be in your business. I don't know what the story is. I don't know why you guys are on the phone with each other. But, uh, you know, I just want to know if there's any problem or if you got a, pro- a problem with me, because in the phone call too, well, my best friend, I heard there's some mention of, you know, that he was uh, John would, would kick, you know, my ass or something. So, you know, there's that. And I brought that up when I when I seen him in front of my cousin's house and he's like, look, no problem. He never once got aggressive with me. He stayed in the car the whole time. I never once got aggressive with him. I kind of stayed back at my car. I never approached his car, you know, just to give him that feel like, look, I'm not coming up here in an aggressive way or trying to start problems. I just want to get to the bottom of this. And, you know, he made it clear that, you know, people were in his business like my mom and that, you know, they really shouldn't be what he was doing with his life. Um, Shouldn't matter to us. And the story was that he was basically cheating on my cousin. And my mom was telling my cousin and he snatched the phone. John snatched the phone from my cousin and was asking my mom why they're in the business. And that's kind of how the whole argument started. But, uh, you know, my wife kept telling me, come on, I got to go to work. Like, let's go. So 
I ended up leaving the situation. Nothing happened. I told him, look, there's no issue. People shouldn't be in your in your business. I agree. But at least leave my name out of it. I don't have problems with you. You don't have problems with me. There's no reason to be saying, you know, anything, you know, even though my mom's in your guys' business, there's no reason to be calling her the B word. You know, just all that stuff is irrelevant. I'll talk to my mom, tell her, stay out your business. If you guys want to live this unhappy life or my cousin wants to be unhappy with you, then, you know, totally, totally up on her. And so my wife is dropping me off at her mom's house on my mother-in-law and she goes to work. And then so I call my, my best friend. I'm like, hey, man, I just went up to my cousin's house. There's no problem. He said he doesn't have a problem. He doesn't want to fight. I don't want to fight. People shouldn't be in this business. I agree. Let him live his life. Let him do what he wants to do. It's his life. If he wants to cheat on my cousin and she wants to be with him, then so be it. That's none of our business. And he was like, my best friend was like, nah, I don't like the way he was talking to moms. You know, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to see, you know, fuck it. I'm going to just go up there and fight him. I'm like, nah, bro. I'm like, you don't even need to. I said, I was just up there. Trust me. I was just talking to him face to face. There's not an issue. Don't even worry about it. Well, they happened to pass my mother-in-law's house and I could see them. They honked at, they honked at me and they're like all riled up in the car. You know, I'm on the phone with them and uh, they're like, stay on the phone while we pull up to the house. I want you to hear what goes on. And so they pull up to my cousin's house and uh, I could already hear some arguing as soon as the car stops. As soon as the car stopped, I hear them arguing and I can hear my cousin in the background, you know, yelling, no, like, stop, like, don't hit him. And it sounds like a scruffle start to go on or some kind of fight. And that lasted, you know, not too long, 30 seconds to a minute. Uh, I guess the neighbors had come out and said they're going to call the cops. So they end up leaving. Well, my best friend and the two friends he was with ended up coming to my mother-in-law's house. And so we're all hanging out there for like, uh, I don't know, about 30 to 40 minutes. Kind of, you know, we're all laughing about the situation. Uh, they mentioned they had punched him a few times in the car, but he never got out. He was kind of hiding in the car. And then, uh, you know, not not too much happened. We laughed about it. We joked about it. You know, I told them that they didn't need to go up there and do anything. I said, but I did laugh about it. I did think it was funny. We all did. And uh, then they said they were going to take off and then, you know, head head, you know, down into the city. But I guess, you know, with the neighbor saying they're going to call the cops, I said, hey, maybe you shouldn't take the streets. How about you take the freeway? Just get out of just get out of here. Go down to what you're going to do. And, you know, don't be a uh, don't be driving on the streets because, you know, maybe have a description of the car or whatnot. So they'll laugh. They, you know, they give me their handshakes and they go on about their way. So it's just me and my daughter. We're at my mother-in-law's house hanging out. And maybe not even 10 to 15 minutes later, uh, I have my phone on the charger, but I could hear it ringing. And I was like, oh, let me rush over, pick it up. And I see it's my best friend calling. And I'm like, uh, what's this dude calling already? It's only been, I swear, it happened so fast. It's only like 10 to 15 minutes later. <clears throat> from when they left the house that I got this call. And as soon as I pick up the phone, you know, I hear crying, panic, and I'm like, hello? And they're not responding. And then I hear, they got him. And I'm wondering who's on the phone because it doesn't sound like my best friend. And they said, it's Josh. They got him. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? It's Josh. They got him. What are you saying? And it was my, it was my best friend. And he was telling me that one of his friends in the vehicle with him got shot. Josh. And I was like, he, he was... He, he, he was describing the scene to me over the phone and I couldn't believe what I was hearing that, you know, Josh was shot in the head, that there was blood everywhere, 
that he wasn't responding to my best friend was, you know, like, what do I do? Because I guess they're in the middle of chasing this guy, John. And, uh, and the whole reason that that kind of lined up is, uh, I guess on their way from leaving my mother-in-law's house, they got on Instagram live, my best friend and the two people he was with, <clears throat> they're on Instagram live or some kind of social media. And they, they were mentioned like where they were going. And, uh, they mentioned they were going to like a Safeway on the live and they were bragging about what they had just done. Well, the Safeway they ended up going to was right next to John's house. <clears throat> And uh, so they got off the freeway and I guess John happened to see see them in the car and he ended up shooting the vehicle up at like 530 in the afternoon. And so I told my I told my best friend, I said, what do you mean? You know, he's not responding. He's not listening. Like he's bleeding from his head. His eyes are rolling back. I was like, you need to get him to the hospital, dude. I was like, drive him to the hospital right now. And so they get him over to the hospital. I'm still on the phone. And, uh, you know, they, they dropped him off and then they went and parked the car. And so they're calling me like, you know, get down here to the hospital. Like, we don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I was in a really sucky situation because my wife had dropped us off. She took the vehicle. I didn't have no car. I'm stuck in my mother-in-law's house. I can't find a way to get to the hospital. So the first thing I do is call my mom. And I'm like, mom, you need to get over here fast. Like they just shot Josh in the head. And uh, she was on the bridge so she was like 20 minutes 30 minutes away from picking me up so the whole time i just had the craziest thoughts running through my head i know what to think you know my best friend uh by this time they're waiting out like on the side of the hospital they're not inside and then uh we finally get down there probably like 40 minutes later i'm trying to call my wife the whole time she's not picking up the phone of course because she's at work she's it was already super busy but I'm trying to like call her and call her and call her and let her know like what just had happened. I'm calling, I'm calling, I'm calling. I don't get nothing. So my mom finally picked me up. And then I was like, before we go down to the hospital, let's stop by uh, my wife's job. I just want to tell her, you know, what's going on and, you know, why she might look at her phone and see, you know, 20 missed calls from me. And so I stopped by and I hadn't started crying at this point yet. I was still shocked about the whole situation. And I get inside and I told my told my wife, I'm like, they just shot Josh in the head. And I start crying. And then she gives me a hug and she's like, is he okay? Like, what happened? Like, is he alive? I said, I don't know. We're on our way to the hospital right now. I said, I barely got picked up. And I was just like, I said, I don't know what to think. And I was just had like tears just flowing down my face. Like, I really didn't know what to think. And so I make it down to the hospital. They have him in the ICU. He's still alive. Uh, we're hanging out. We're just waiting for any news. It starts getting later and later. Finally, a few detectives uh, come to the scene. And at the hospital, you can't walk in when someone gets shot. They... They actually locked down the whole hospital because they don't want like the shooter to come into the hospital. You know, whatever situation they have where they don't allow anyone to come into the hospital when there's a shooting victim. Because one, they don't know the situation. They don't know who shot him, if they shot himself. So they don't want like any danger to enter the hospital. They usually have cops outside. So we were waiting outside the whole time. Detectives come. They end up arresting my best friend and the other guy he was with. Not sure, you know, what their involvement was. You know, with the with the situation, so they end up taking them to jail without even really asking them any questions. 
and uh, we're we're waiting outside quite a few hours where we don't hear anything. And so I can't get a hold of Josh's dad. I was like, I don't know his number. I was like, how are we supposed to tell them like where their son is? I'm like, I don't have Josh's dad's number. I'm like, I only know where he lives. I said, the best thing we can do is go knock on his door and let him know to get down here. And so that's what me and my mom end up going to do. So we go to Josh's house, I knock on the door, the lights are off. I'm like, I don't know if anyone's home. And uh, his dad opens the door and I was like, sorry to tell you this, but Josh is shot in the head and he's in the hospital right now. I said, you need to get down there ASAP. And so he's like, I'm going to be on my way right now. I just, I need to get my stuff together and drive down there. So we go back down to the hospital. Josh's dad comes like 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, right behind us. And uh, we're all waiting for the news. Josh makes it through the night. And, uh, you know, he's in critical condition. They don't know what's going on. Brain has swelling. And, uh, you know, he wasn't quite awake. I think he was in the hospital for a total of like three weeks. The first couple of days were really tough. He was shot in the head. He ended up surviving this, this situation. And he was in the hospital for three weeks. I don't, for the first two weeks, I don't even think he was awake. They were trying to talk to him. He was in like, not quite a coma, maybe an induced coma. And, uh, they would try to make him do some hand movements. So, uh, and, uh, he would, he would have reaction on his right side of his body, but his left side wouldn't react to the pinching, the tickling, any of the things they were doing on the right side of his body wasn't working on the left side. So he was having movement, squeezing the right hand, doing all these things when you kind of talk to him, but he wasn't there again. He was like in this induced coma and, uh, he finally wakes up a few weeks later. They put him through a lot of physical therapy. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, a, it was a tough situation because the whole thing could have been prevented. And I probably, reg- you know, I do regret not putting a tougher effort into not allowing them to go up to that house, especially after I just went up there myself and kind of not really squashed it, but made it clear that, you know, he didn't have a problem with me. I didn't have a problem with him, you know, that it's nonsense. People shouldn't be in this business. So, you know, I hold myself accountable for that situation to occur because it should never have happened. Uh, police never found out who John was. The The cops came when my friend Josh finally woke up out of this little coma he had that they came to him one time. They asked the doctors if he was awake. They said, not really. You know, he's not really ready to answer questions yet. And I don't think they ever returned. I think they might have asked him the questions like one time, like, do you know who did this? He said, no. They said they knew who did it already and they just wanted for him to confirm. He didn't say anything. Us, the family, didn't say anything. You know, Josh knows who did this to him and he elected not to to tell the police who had did this to him and we respected his wishes not to tell the police who did this to him as well and that's kind of like the underlying rule in the street when you grow up living that kind of lifestyle that when you do these kind of things and when something bad happens to you you don't go and tell on somebody especially after you just committed acts of violence on this person by assaulting them and allowing them to come back and do something to you but uh, they end up eventually letting my best friend go the night of the shooting. Obviously, they didn't have no gunpowder residue. Supposedly, police reports said that their vehicle was the one shooting when they were the victims, not the perpetrators. You know, as time went by, I was there visiting Josh, trying to help him get through physical therapy, you know, visiting him as much as I could down at the hospital. He had like a, the doctors had to remove like a chunk of his brain. 
and they had to send it down to like San Diego and wait for his head to heal like for three months. I think they said it was it ended up being like close to like six to eight, like nine months before they had to go do a surgery and put the piece of his uh, skull back in, not his brain, sorry, but his skull. So it looked like a real like soft, squishy place in his head because the the brain has so much swelling they had to remove that <clears throat> in order for him to survive you know i had a, a really tough time during this because we knew who john was we knew where john lived and uh you know there was mornings when i used to drive to work and just have violent thoughts of what i wanted to do to john if I seen John, what would happen? And it really ate away in my soul to to have those kind of thoughts in my mind, to to, to think I'd put my freedom at risk. Because uh, Josh was my, you know, my friend. He wasn't my best friend, but Josh was my friend. And to to be thinking that I would risk my freedom to end somebody's life and be taken away from my daughter was just something I thought about way too much. No matter the thoughts that came to my mind, there, there's no way I could do anything to, to leave my daughter in a situation where, you know, I don't make the decisions of life or death. I'm not, you know, God. I'm not the judge, the jury. That is not my place to decide who lives and dies. And, you know, I had those thoughts. Everyone's had those thoughts. And there's been times where you have opportunities to take action on your thoughts. But luckily, nothing ever happened. You know, it's a sad situation that Josh was shot in his head, but he did survive. He has fully recovered to this day. He still has um, a few issues, but... For the most part, he's totally healthy. Uh, John is still out roaming the streets. But you guys may, you may think that's a little crazy hearing that to to not want to tell who did this to a family member. But, you know, that's for the detectives to do their job. This happened on in uh, broad daylight on a main street. More than enough witnesses to identify what was going on. But I respected Josh's wishes. You know, that may be tough because, you know. Now we're at risk if John goes out and hurts somebody else that he wasn't. You know, we could feel guilty for it because now it falls back on us now telling the cops who John is. And now John's potentially out there harming other people. And we don't want that to happen. But I think God has answers to those questions that anyone has. And God says, no matter what someone has done to you, but to, you should forgive them. One time, two times, three times, a thousand times. Forgiveness. And it took me a long time to forgive this guy. John. It took me a very long time. I had evil thoughts consume my head for at least two years. I would think about this guy, John, day and night. And, uh, you know, I'm glad nothing happened. I'm glad I'm still here with my, my, my wife and my daughter and my family. And I'm glad Josh is still here with us. And I'm glad, you know, this situation teaches us a lot. Let's Josh know that he has a second chance that, you know, he has something worth doing with his life that it doesn't end there. It lets John know that maybe he got away with this, but if he keeps living a certain lifestyle, that one, karma may come around one day, and two, something later down the line, you know, may happen where this comes back to light and the detectives do their job and, and arrest this guy. It was just a hard story for me to tell Josh. Josh was a, you know, a good friend of mine, and to be through this situation with him and being able to get him back to health. I'm proud we were able to, to be his support system because sometimes his own parents weren't giving him that support because they were so upset with, with what happened. And 
and how it happened. And it was hard for them to change their lives to be able to support Josh because he wasn't all the way healthy. He wasn't able to walk. Um, he wasn't able to feed himself, talk, or do much on his own. So he needed to have that support system. But he's up and active now and healthy and able to do things on his own. So I just thank the Lord every day that Josh is still alive, no matter what the situation was and how this occurred. But it also teaches you know people a lesson out there that uh, if you do something to someone, you should expect something to, to happen back to you. And what you've done to that person, that person may do something worse to you. And you just have to remember there's always consequences for your actions out there. If you just go around being a good person, trying to get people out of living this kind of lifestyle of violence, gangs and guns and man, uh, macho-ness and men always trying to be like the hardest people in the world. That's not what life is about. And this situation here was a firsthand experience. Life is way, way, way much more than this. You know, seeing a friend almost dying, seeing his skull out of his head, seeing him have to able to talk and eat again and learn how to walk. No one wants to live like that. No one should live like that. We should all live, roam this earth happy and free and loving each other and caring about each other and showing each other support and, you know, how to make the best life possible instead of being trapped in these situations where we're angry and upset and we release anger by showing violence, committing acts of violence and crimes on each other. I don't want anyone to live their lifestyle like that. And if you ever experience something like this and don't know what to do you know i would say forgive that person for whatever they have done to you do not go out and commit acts of violence to someone let the police do their job let the judge and the jury and the law do their job let god take care of that person all you can do is pray for that person and their family you know pray for them and let them know that they may have not known what they've done ask god to forgive them because they may not know the difference between right or wrong but we have to share our stories and let people know that there are people out there that care about these people, even though they do things like this. That's really all I have for Crazy Life Stories Part 1. If you guys have anything to say about this story, find anything shocking, find, you need any support because you're going through a current situation, uh, please reach out to me. DM me on Instagram. DM me. Uh, leave a comment. Just reach out in any way. I don't want you to feel like you're alone in these kind of situations where you're going through pain. And uh, yeah, that's it to Crazy Life Stories Part 1, Episode 1. Thank you guys for listening. I know this is much different.
my life and the, the experiences I've been through to let you guys know that how proud I am to to be where I am and to be able to share my story and to be able to, you know, have a great outlook on life, even though I've been through some of these things and there are crazier stories um, that I would be telling in future episodes. And that's why it makes that's what makes me feel like I need to share this because I know there's people in the struggle, the people that don't really have resources to go out and, and and be smarter than the environment they live in, how to think bigger, how to want to expand their knowledge, how to want to live outside the neighborhood they grow up in. So that's the whole reason of me sharing the story is to, to let you guys know that there is a way out. You don't have to live in this lifestyle forever. You can go out, you can make money, you could travel the world, you can have a family, you could be happy. You don't always have to be paranoid watching your back, turning your shoulder, worrying about if uh, someone wants to harm you, if you want to harm somebody. Life is not meant to be like that. So thank you guys for, for listening in. I appreciate all your support. And there will be more crazy life stories in the future. So thank you guys for tuning in until the next one.